0: Once upon a time, work stayed at work and home was for partners and families and dogs or our own sweet solitude. But now, the same tools that gave us the flexibility to work from anywhere at any time also mean we can feel we're expected to work from anywhere at any time. Earlier this month, the federal government passed an amendment negotiated by the Greens to give Australians the right to disconnect from unreasonable work calls or emails outside normal hours. France led the way on this back in 2017, but some employers here and the federal opposition are concerned that it will have a negative impact on businesses and potentially on workers too. Associate Professor John Hopkins is with us today to help us through this conversation. He's an Innovation Fellow at Swinburne University School of Business, Law and Entrepreneurship. John, great to have you with us. Good morning, Hilary. And Lisa Leong, too, is the host of This Working Life right here on RN, which covers all these kinds of workplace issues and ideas and conversations. Lisa, great to have you with us again. Good morning, Hilary. Now, what uh, heavy hitters these guys are to walk us through this. Uh, John, why has the right to disconnect been legislated for in Australia? What is the the problem that this law is seeking to fix?
1: Yeah, thanks, Hilary. I think what um, the problem it's trying to fix is the fact that say 15 to 20 years ago we started getting smartphones in our lives and i think that's really where the intrusion and the and the blurring of the lines started so up until that point as you said earlier we could finish work at the end of the day finish work on a friday and and we were we were off work and only in say really kind of critical emergency circumstances would our boss ever ring us if they, if they needed us but now that we have these smartphones in our pockets and we can receive WhatsApp messages, SMSs, emails, um, instantaneously, what's happened is that because this technology makes us easier to contact, it's actually uh, created a norm whereby our bosses are much more likely and our colleagues are much more likely to contact us. And what this has led to, of course, is uh, a situation where workers are almost available 24-7 and it's, um, you know, th- there's not a lot of thought goes behind the contact that is made by a boss. So I think what these laws are trying to do is to not, not remove um, the emergency contacts. You know, if something really goes wrong in work and you have to contact one of your team, that's still going to happen. But what it's trying to do is establish more of a norm that if it's not urgent, if it's non-critical, it can wait until normal working time.
0: And obviously that's a problem because it it kind of disengages the work you're doing from the pay that you're getting and, and one bleeds further out than the other. But John, there are specific health effects too, aren't there?
1: Yeah, look, there was some um, research done at the end of last year that said, on average, we work about five additional hours per week. That is unpaid. So that's on top of our normal workload and outside of our normal time. Uh, as human beings, obviously, we need rest. We need sleep. We need uh, to, to disconnect from work at the end of the day. So if we're if we're receiving messages from our boss at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, just before we're about to go to bed. Of course, it's going to upset our rhythm and it's going to impact our health. Now, we've
0: been talking as if uh, people are doing mainly office jobs. We will get to other kinds of jobs very soon and we'll take your calls on this. Whatever realm of work you're in or observing, one three hundred double two double five seven six. Lisa Leong, your thoughts?
2: Um, there's something called availability creep, which is a really amazing label for what we are feeling, really. This idea that um, the boundaries that we use to have, even though we have this beautiful flexibility now, which was uh, given to us in COVID particularly, uh, that somehow we can't quite manage it. So I think that's the really interesting thing here is that with this great responsibility, have we actually been able to disconnect ourselves? I'd be really interested in uh, people's real life experiences with whether they've been contacted outside their normal work hours and in what context, just to give us a flavour for what is actually happening at the moment. and then what might change with a law like this.
0: Well, and Martin has called in from not an office job, which is great to hear. Martin, welcome. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Now, you're in the building industry. What kind of impacts are you thinking about here? Uh, Just
1: like a a typical day, I might call my apprentice and just say, um, hey, mate, did you leave the nail gun at this site or that site for the next day? And that really impacts where those tools are for the next day. So it doesn't happen
0: all the time, but I might give him a call once every couple of weeks just to say, where is that stuff we write to go tomorrow? And it's only like a two to five minute call, but it really impacts the next day and it impacts how that next day
1: flows. And
0: uh, it's essential. Yeah, I would just consider it unreasonable if I couldn't call him just to make sure the next day flowed. And it's a really simple one minute call yeah. Well, and that that keyword "reasonable." I'm so glad you raised that, Martin, because that's one of the the things that the legislation covers. Um, John uh, Hopkins, who gets to decide what's a reasonable call?
1: Yeah. Look, I mean that that really is a grey area, and it certainly depends on the type of role and um, you know, the, the the type of reason that the worker needs to make contact. What I would say to Martin is for me that sounds like reasonable circumstances it's something that has a has a big impact on the on the next day of of the job it's something that only takes a minute it doesn't sound overly intrusive and and the important thing once every couple of weeks so it's something that's not multiple times a day, which is what other other workers have reported.
0: And Lisa Leong, it's not a right not to be contacted, is it? It's a right to not respond to contact. Is oh, It's that really actually interesting, enough? isn't it?
2: Um, because it's talking about contact and really Martin's example is perfect. So it's the phone calls after work. It's not about workload per se. So even though um, I think really if we look at the intention, so this is just to make sure that we have this ability to switch off, uh, what... I think is good about this law is it's really meant to encourage you to have these conversations at work. So Martin sitting down and really saying, look, um, it helps me and it helps you if I can give you a call outside hours. Um, Is this a okay? Like, is it okay for our workflow if we do this? And that's what we're trying to encourage here is having these conversations and saying, is this workable? Uh, Is it okay if I give you these calls? And I agree. I think it sounds reasonable, Martin, that you are giving them a call, not every night (laughs) to remind them, have you done everything today? But actually it's once in a, you know, and it helps with everyone. Well, and I guess, you know,
0: some of those conversations could perhaps say, maybe set a reminder that pops up on your phone just before the end of your shift to let me know where the nail gun is or something like that. But I wonder, too, I mean, there is a bit of a power imbalance, isn't there, when an employer sits down with the employees and goes, how much are you okay with me calling you? And you start to go, when's my contract finish and how much building work do I expect to get over the next year?
2: And that's why um, looking at it at the system level, so maybe some guidelines and having a policy in place is one thing to do. And then a little bit of training on managers as well is encouraged at this point. So looking at these practical solutions, which is uh, managers... Once upon a time, we used to be able to call because people were available. There is now a right to disconnect. So it may mean that you're trying to do things within the day um, the day parts rather than calling up at night and also looking into IT systems that might be able to help Hillary. So you mentioned the fact that you could automate an email reminder um, to only be sent during the day. You could just make sure that things are stacked so that they come out at 9am yep. the next morning.
0: Those tools can be used for good or evil, can't they? Totally. And a great example of being contacted out of hours in a different industry, the right to not be contacted after work hours, says this text, would have made an enormous difference to me as a sole graphic designer, says Polly. I was contacted by clients seven days a week at all hours, even midnight. It played havoc with my life and sanity as I felt constantly on edge. I was aware that if I didn't take the call, I may well lose the job. This just has to stop. That sole trader thing is a bit tricky though, isn't it?
2: clients so this is really interesting that third parties are caught by this new legislation so what do we mean by third parties so this includes for teachers students and parents that's interesting uh clients and you know i was a lawyer um Always. I mean, this is part of the job and we can talk about that because um, there are different uh, ways of figuring out, well, are you being paid enough to be contacted outside hours? So that is taken into account. Also, small business is included as well. So um, this captures a lot of people.
0: John Hopkins, I want to ask you some of those questions that Lisa's just raised. As an associate professor and an innovation fellow at Swinburne Uni School of Business, Law and Entrepreneurship, would some people prefer to just get a kind of connection loading to be financially compensated for that rather than uh,
1: having the right to disconnect? That that's obviously something that they would need to to speak to their their boss about. Um, for for example, you know, if you're a doctor or a nurse, my mum was a was a nurse. She's now retired, but I can always remember through my childhood, my mum would have certain nights where she was on call, but she was paid for that, so it's a bit different. Um, but it would be negotiated as part of what they do and their their working conditions. And I would, I would agree. I think the most important thing to come out of this is that we're talking about it. You know, we're having conversations about it. What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? What's impacted in the future? How can we make this better? So I think these conversations are probably going on in, in workplaces around the nation. And hopefully we're going to. I'm don't, I don't think for one moment this is going to be a perfect solution and it's going to. Um, it, it's going to eradicate all calls happening outside of work hours but hopefully it will it will lead to a significant decrease certainly of those kind of trivial non-urgent uh, contacts and messages
0: that idea about third parties is interesting because I think of teachers um, who were caught by this legislation too so you know parents often are, as a Child of, you know, (laughs) a parent of two kids with special needs, I often need to contact that teacher. Do they now need to squash all that communication into their work hours somehow? Are they going to be doing it on their lunch breaks, John? How will it work on the
1: ground? Yeah, I mean, teachers, just like anybody else, you know, they're paid a certain number of hours per day, and outside of that is really their, their free time. And I suppose with this new law, this gives them the right not not to reply and i suppose this is maybe even another another conversation that the school can have you know send out maybe even run some sort of survey with parents but what i would say is uh, is, is as, as it was alluded to earlier by lisa you know there's ways in which that we can still communicate um, with teachers with um colleagues at times that suits us but then they don't actually receive the the message until work hours so we might you know we might be really busy and we don't have time to uh, send a message to the school an email say till 11 o'clock at night but we can send that we can delay the delivery of that we can schedule send it so that we do at 11 o'clock when it's convenient for us but it doesn't actually arrive at the inbox of the teacher till 9am or 8am or whatever the agreed communication uh, window is.
0: Let's take some calls. Gordon's called in from Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Gordon, you're an Uber driver. That would be a really fascinating perspective to bring to this. What are your
2: thoughts? Well, my thoughts are I have been employed um, and as a member of staff of uh, various organisations. My thoughts are um, I'm, I'm paid obviously per trip, so I'm out there or I'm not, and I get paid for it, I get. But I'm thinking along the lines of now, if you, if you deny people the right to disconnect so they know they're going to be on call all the time, not specifying any particular level or any particular job or any kind of, you know, whatever. But if you know you're on call, you might be on call for, say, 11 hours a day or whatever. Are you, are you not... Is there not the risk that what you would normally do in eight hours, you just spread that out? Which technically may result in a in a a reduction
0: in productivity. That productivity because you're not doing as much work. That's a really interesting point, Gordon. Thank you for raising that, John Hopkins. The opposition has raised concerns too that this could impact productivity. What do we see in other countries when these kinds of rights are brought in?
1: Yeah, look, the best country to look at would be France because they introduced it first. So we've got more data on them than anybody else. Uh, and, and equally, countries who um, have introduced it since, say, 2020, there's COVID impacts a lot of production uh, productivity data. But looking at France, so it was introduced in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, uh, productivity as a nation continued to rise. So it didn't impact France.
0: Interesting text on this. I used to work in an office-based job which had highly flexible arrangements. Staff were often not available during business hours for whatever their reasons were, which was very frustrating, says this text. (laughs) And it would be, I guess, Right to disconnect during business hours. (laughs) Exactly. There was no option but to contact them at random times and hope to get a response. It made my work more difficult and reduced productivity while waiting for them to get back to you. People want more and more flexibility to the point of being non-functional. Do you think, John Hopkins, that this might have the perverse outcome of uh, making employers less uh, welcoming of workplace fle- flexibility arrangements, wanting to wind some of that back and have that
1: certainty around when they can contact people. I would hope not. This is definitely not what the law is intended to do and I, and I haven't heard of examples like that before whereby you'd have the right to disconnect during work hours. Uh, what I would what I would say is is that again coming back to those conversations, there should be agreed bandwidth hours for communication. Quite often, the right to disconnect might be linked with a lack of flexibility or something that stops flexibility in a workplace. It shouldn't stop people working flexibly. So if somebody likes to get up at 4.30 a.m. and they like to work in the morning, that's great. Or somebody might like to work more in the evening, they're more energetic then. That should not be uh, discouraged either. But what should be set in place are these firm regulations around bandwidth contact hours. So you might might like to work at 4.30 a.m., but you're not allowed to contact your colleagues until 9am or 10am or whatever the, those contact hours might be.
2: I was wondering, Hilary and John, whether there might be an unintended consequence that there would be uh, less flexibility. Because if I was an employer or a leader and I was thinking, know, how am I going to manage this? Okay, so let's go back to nine to five. You can work nine to five, but I'm not going to give you any flexibility to start early because I just want to now ring fence. So maybe we might lose some of that flexibility. That's the part where I'm sort of curious about it and whether we might actually um, be doing ourselves a disservice if employees really want to go, okay, well, in order to manage this, um, then I'm just going to have to go back to nine to five, sorry.
0: And that's something that HR groups and employer groups have been flagging as an issue. We're speaking with Lisa Leong, who's deeply steeped in workplace issues and workplace culture issues and management issues as the host of This Working Life right here on RN, and Associate Professor John Hopkins, who an innovation fellow at Swinburne University School of Business, Law and Entrepreneurship. And I mean, Lisa, you've been a lawyer. Mm. Um, you now speak to a lot of people on both sides of the offence in, in the workplace uh, field. Can you imagine your colleagues in either law or journalism actually disconnecting? Because workplace culture is very strong in those issues, isn't it? And it's tied to your prospects in your career.
2: And it's tied to wanting to do a good job as well. So in media, it's about um, being on top of the news and really exploring things. I mean, hilariously, when we were covering Right to Disconnect for this working life, we had to work extra hours <laughs> <laughs> on the weekend in order to cover this, right? And so I thought that was amusing. As a lawyer, um, clients really are uh, really important. And so to be available for those urgent calls outside of normal um Quotation marks, work hours. I would see that that's absolutely embedded in the culture. It's quite hard to change that. I am seeing great changes though with younger lawyers who are saying, actually, I perform better when I have rest. And I think this is a Duh. really important point: <laughs> is that if we think of ourselves as athletes of life and work life, that we need rest time. And athletes don't run all night and all day and you know think that that's going to help with performance. So I think we. are Take this opportunity, take a step back and go, okay, How will we live a happier, longer work life and enjoy it as well? (laughs) On that issue of
0: perverse outcomes, it's really fascinating seeing the debate about how this might affect women, because on the surface, you're like, great, I have caring responsibilities. Statistically speaking, more likely to have them. I can switch off and focus on my family or my parents or my children's needs. But then some uh, commentators are saying, look, uh, this might penalise people with caring responsibilities if it uh, turns out that, you know... uh, some people are more able to take those calls and decide that they are reasonable. And then you get these invisible kind of differences where you might not be uh, formally penalised, but you might not be seen as the person that's worthy of promotion or really engaged or committed to the workforce. What are your thoughts on that, Lisa?
2: I think that Um, all of these issues are up for discussion and to be teased out, that we will only see this in practice. When these things come out in the wash, the intention is there to help people disconnect and to have healthy lives. And I think if we keep that intention, um, then hopefully this will help our workplaces because, to be honest, we're all feeling tired. Uh, We're feeling (laughs) sort of that languishing feeling. So what are we trying to do? I think this is a really nice step to help us have these better conversations. And even for um, people who have client work like lawyers or people who feel like it's something that they had to do, I think just stopping and going, okay, what is the opportunity here for us?
0: Yep. We're speaking with Lisa Leong, who who thinks about these issues a lot. And in fact, this Sunday on This Working Life is going to do a deep dive on the right to disconnect. So you can drill down into that a bit more. John Hopkins, how enforceable is legislation like this? Because it involves the, uh, you know, having to have a discussion with your employer. And then if that doesn't work, going to the Fair Work Commission. Is that likely?
1: I would hope not. I, I think in most cases it won't lead to that. I think it really is about having the discussion. It's about establishing what you know, reasonable grounds means in that type of role and that type of organisation. I think there be extreme cases where, let's say, a worker is becoming increasingly um, frustrated. They've had the conversation, yet the calls are, are continuing and they're not necessarily... What you would describe reasonable circumstances that does give them the right then to of course to go to fair work australia and fair work australia in the first instance they can uh, they can put a stop order in place similar to what would happen with say bullying or harassment or something like that and if it continues after that that can then lead to a fine for that organization Uh,
0: getting so many texts now and I'd like to finish up with a couple of them as we draw this discussion to a close the best thing a new branch head did for me says one says Greg, Greg from Long Beach in New South Wales was to stop paying for my phone as a cost cutting measure I felt that gave me permission not to take any work calls outside work hours even when I changed roles and I did need to take some work calls as work was still not paying for the phone, I was much more judicious about which ones I took. And Deb from Canberra says, I worked as a consumer advocate for external stakeholders. I had an instance where an external person needed me to remove the action item from their to-do list. They called and left a voice message acknowledging that it wasn't my work day, but they wanted to close the issue off. So disrespectful of my time and boundaries, says Deb. And that's just a small sampling of some of the things that people are experiencing. Lisa Leong and John Hopkins, been great dipping our toe into this. More on This Working Life on Sunday. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Lisa Leong hosts This Working Life on RN, 1.30pm Sunday or time on the ABC Listen app. Associate Professor John Hopkins is an Innovation Fellow at Swinburne Uni School of Business, Law and Entrepreneurship. And these changes, these new laws come into effect in July.
2: Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy.